Hello, this is Catherine at I Know I Need to Stop Talking. Hello, my loves, I've missed you. It's been two weeks, a whole week of no podcasting, which may have been a blessed relief to your ears. But yeah, I had a week off and I had a week off for a really, really, really good reason because I fulfilled a little one of a lifetime ambition last weekend. And I, I can't decide whether you'll listen to this and you'll go, oh my God, that sounds amazing. Or if you'll listen to this and go, oh my God, you are one of the most tragic individuals we've ever come across. But you know what? Either of those is absolutely fine because we, we all have our things, right? We all have our things that we love. And long time blog readers will, will know one of my things that I love is I love music. I love classical music and I love, love, love the Royal Albert Hall. It is just one of my favourite places in the entire world ever, ever, ever. And every year I always try and go along to one of the proms concerts because I think they're such a great way to make classical music accessible to everybody. You can get like tickets on the day for £6. And if you live far away from London, you can watch pretty much all of the concerts on the TV, listen to them on the radio. So I love the whole ethos and the principle of the proms. So I've been earlier on in the season. And I'm nearly 40. And from the very first time that I walked into the alcohol when I must have been eight or nine, and found out there was this thing called the proms, and found out about the last night of the prom, and watched it on the television, I have coveted a ticket to the last night of the proms, like you would not believe. But it's basically impossible to get one, because to get a ticket in, in normal times, and goodness me, as, as we know, we are very much not in normal times, but in normal times, you either have to be very lucky, and you go in a raffle type thing, and you maybe get a ticket, or you have to queue up on the day, or you can go and attend five different proms concerts, and then you go into a, a separate raffle to get tickets. So it's a fucking nightmare. It's worse than trying to get a car parking space in the supermarket on Christmas Eve. It's a bloody nightmare. And I understand why they have to do it because demand outstrips supply, yada, 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 yada. And so I tried. I have tried for fucking years to get a ticket to the last night of the proms and I've never been successful. And you know what? That's all right because I can watch it on the television and it's still absolutely amazing. But this year... I got a ticket to the last night of the proms and I was it was late one night and I was in bed dicking around on my phone and I had the ticket page up because I thought well I'll just see if there's any returns because you know this year pandemic maybe not everybody's necessarily comfortable going to to the theatre or to the Albert Hall I'll, I'll just have a little look and never in a million years I mean like literally my, my expression when suddenly like the, the loading page changed from there are no tickets available to here is a ticket and you can have it. And then I had that mad, mad thing of, oh my God, oh my God, it's a ticket. Oh my God, last night the problems. No, surely. And then I was like, oh my God, is it fake? Is it real? I'm sitting up in bed. It's half past 10 at night. I'd usually be well asleep by this time. I don't like going to bed late. I'm like hysterically like trying to type it in. Needs my password. Fuck, what's my password? I put the wrong fucking password in. I'm locked out of my account. Oh my God, I'm not going to get this ticket. I'm so emotionally invested by this stage. I keep telling myself, keep calm, Catherine, keep calm. I am so not calm. I'm the least calm I've ever been in my entire life. Then it wants my bank details. I've got a new bank card. Can I remember the number? No, yes, no, yes. Oh my God, it needs a different bank card. Can I get back in? Where's the link to reset my password? It's not come through. So this is the emotional roller coaster that I'm on until eventually I press select and the ticket went into my basket and I paid and then I got the confirmation email through. I was going to the motherfucking last night of the proms and I was hysterical. I got up and went out of bed and it was the school holidays, so so Beth was still up. I say that, I mean, I have clearly, I have no control over getting my children to bed ever. That is not one of my strengths as a parent at all. But Beth was still up and I was half sobbing, half laughing as I like ran down the stairs with no clothes on. Goodness, there's a mental image for you all. Ran down the stairs with no clothes on and Beth casually, because she's Beth, like walked out to look at me and went, very matter of fact, 
Has somebody died? And I said, no, nobody's died. She was like, well, you're crying, so I just assumed someone was dead. And I was like, I've got a last time to take a last time. I'm like, literally incoherent, couldn't get words out. And she looked at me and she was like, oh, is that all? And then I went in to see Mr. I know I need to stop talking. I was like, oh, I've got to take another last night at the proms. And he was very kind of happy and supportive for me, whilst at the same time making it really clear from the expression on his face, he thought I was absolutely off my fucking rocker, and, and that's probably fair. But then even though I had a ticket, and and particularly, and I don't know if anybody else is like this, but particularly in these mental fucking times that we live in now, I just didn't believe that it would actually, actually happen. I thought I would get COVID, I'd be self-isolating, they'd have to cancel the concert, aliens would come down and pluck my car off the road as I drove to the Albert Hall, you know, I, I was that kind of levels of extremes of possibilities happening. But it did, it happened, and I went, and I thought in my own head, maybe I have hyped this up more than is realistic, maybe actually it's going to be a little bit of a letdown. Oh, it was so not a letdown. It was unbelievable. And however amazing it looks on the TV, and I think it is amazing on the TV, they do an amazing job of filming it. I cry my eyes out every single year because it's just so perfect. Nothing, nothing could have prepared me for sitting in that auditorium. I'd been really lucky. I'd got an amazing, amazing seat, an amazing ticket. And yes, they were. So this definitely was not a six-pound ticket. This was an expensive ticket. But I was like, it's a once-in-a-lifetime experience to go and do this. So I sat in the stalls, right in the centre of the arena, so facing onto the stage. And I cannot describe what it felt like to to sit there. And I, and I think it would have been amazing if I'd got to go at any point in my life, right? Let's make no bones about it. It's an amazing night, amazing music, amazing atmosphere. But to be in that room, knowing that last year, the proms went ahead last year, but for obvious reasons without an audience, to be in that room with thousands of people, I think the capacity of the hall is like 5,000 people, and to hear the, the sound and the music and the applause and the laughter and the sheer gratitude in the voice of the conductor as he spoke to everybody and said how grateful he was to, to you know, that they were able to perform live to an audience again. And then to hear everybody's voices ringing out in kind of like all the all the big classics. I mean, I was in absolute bits. When I got back, the kid said to me, did you cry? I said, did I cry? I sobbed from the start of the second half to the end of the second half. I then sobbed all the way on the walk back to my car. And then I cried for most of the journey home in a safe driving, safe way, just to be really clear. But it was like nothing I can ever I was like pinching myself going I can't believe this is happening I can't believe this is here it it was such a privilege to be there I, honestly yes I'm a massive classical musical fan yes I absolutely love the proms I love the upper hall but actually I struggled to think of anybody who wouldn't have been visibly moved being there in the hall I it was just unbelievable and you know in these weird weird times where I have definitely learned to take nothing for granted I can't describe how special it, it was just unbelievable so yeah I was a bit of an emotional wreck so I was kind of like gonna go oh you know sort of come back and obviously drove back it's very late at night by the time I got home I was like oh you know I should really do a podcast and I was like do you know what I think it's all right I think you guys would be okay with the fact that I'm a bit of an emotional wreck it's probably good I've wasted a week because I think if I'd recorded this last week you'd have just have got a oh my god the promises I love the prize guys which is basically what Mr. I know I need to stop talking to was treated to when I got home he went how, how was it oh yeah the promises I love um so I think I'm slightly more coherent this this week but it was just phenomenal it really 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 was and as I say I take nothing for granted anymore but this was this was almost beyond description and it's just a pinch me moment to when you've spent 
what is that, like 25, 30 years waiting to do a thing for it to actually happen. I have no words. I am so grateful. It was a fucking brilliant night and I'm still wiping off the stains of all of my fucking eyeliner that I cried down the side of my face. There's a, um, <laughs> obviously I did that tragic thing. I don't think I should confess to this, but I think it's important to be honest on the podcast. I absolutely recorded the TV program The Last Night of the Promise and then went through it in slow motion to see if I could spot myself. And I did singing the national anthem towards the end and I forced the children to come down and watch. Beth was like, why are you traumatised? And Jamie's looking at me like, you look like you've had some terrible thing happen to you because I do look absolutely hysterical. But oh, oh, it was just glorious. So that's why I wasn't here last week and I missed you all loads and I genuinely did miss recording recording a podcast. But it was, it was just, it was just amazing. It was just amazing. And it was a really lovely week. It was a fucking, the week before last was just, just one of those weeks, really irritating, irritating week, um, compounded by moments like the moment that I shared on the blog when I was out walking and then realised that I'd done like a four mile walk along some really busy main roads with my flies wide open. And I do mean wide open. I know sometimes people say, oh, I have my flies open. And you think, no, you had a long top on and they were hardly open. I mean, these were gaping. These were gaping. If I had not been wearing pants and rest assured I was wearing pants, it would have been like arrested for indecent exposure type gaping so yeah that was fucking irritating but then you lot are all fucking brilliant I love I love you all so much I love the fact that when I posted that on the blog firstly you were sympathetic to to my to my plight whilst laughing just the right amount which you should laugh in those situations but then you shared your own mortifying moments to make me feel better and I sat and read them and I absolutely howled and and my favorite for anybody who missed the post my absolute favorite which literally I, oh, I, was, I was weeping weeping reading this one was a lady who said <laughs> this lady said she she I, I believe the story was that she was going out for for a meal with her with her husband or her boyfriend and he like said okay we're gonna go out to get get you know get something nice and you know dress up and stuff so she'd gone to get dressed out she put on her nice clothes and her boots and her skirt and a little scarf and she'd gone out and she'd gone there sat down there and they're chatting away in the in the restaurant having like a nice drink together and chat and then she suddenly realized that instead instead of, she thought she picked up to go around her neck a nice little black nice little chic black scarf <laughs> she picked up a pair of tights a pair of black tights which she literally was wearing slung around her neck with the feet hanging downwards and I wept laughing because I can so imagine that is so the kind of thing that that I would completely do. I mean, hey, maybe we could start like a fashion statement. We could completely start a, a fashion statement. The other story I loved on the blog from the last week, which again, some of you might have seen. So I, I wrote a blog post about fidgets, fucking fidgets. My house is so full of fidgets. I'm going to be on one of those programs, I reckon, where they like have they can't get through the front door because it's just like floor to ceiling with fucking fidgets. Um, Interesting how the self-same children who were banging on about plastic pollution, and rightly so, seem to have no qualms when it comes to... I, I quizzed Beth on this. I said, so plastic pollution? She went, yeah, it's really bad. It's like killing the planet. I said, okay, so how do fidgets, i.e. those plastic fidgets, fit into that? She looked at me like I was an idiot. She went, well, I'm never going to get rid of my fidgets, so they're not going to pollute the planet, are they? Mm. Slightly flawed logic there, Beth, but I'll let you come back to that one. But the story that I loved on that post was uh, written by a teacher who said that she'd been in an assembly one day and there had been a child messing around in assembly with a fidget spinner. And obviously there are some children for whom fidget spinners in an assembly type setup are, are really important if they perhaps are non-neurotypical or have the, you know need, need to have those in place. But she said that she knew this, this child didn't need a fidget spinner, just had a fidget spinner. 
So apparently she went and told him off and, and told him to stop playing it. It was going to be confiscated for the rest of the um, for the rest of the assembly. And then she took her seat again up at the front of the room. And then apparently at the end of the assembly, a colleague came over to her, killing herself laughing and said, you do realise that from the moment you took that fidget spinner away from that child, you were spinning it nonstop in your fingers until the end of the assembly. And I love both the story and the fact that she came and told us about it. Whoever you are, whoever you are, we, we applaud you that is that is a superb superb story but then it got me then the whole thing got me thinking about the many mortifying moments of my own that I have experienced over the years and believe me there are a lot there, there are a lot of mortifying stories and I think you know particularly there were there were, there were lots when I was pregnant that pregnancy generally seems to pregnancy and giving birth well giving birth I mean that's just one big mortifying moment in itself let's be honest but but pregnancy and giving birth seem to certainly for me seem to harbour a lot of oh my god just I'm just, it literally just occurred to me one that, um, okay, will I tell you this one? Yeah, I'll tell you this one. Well, so one of the idiosyncrasies about pregnancy is you have to wee in a fucking cup shitloads. Like, I think there should be, like, you know, you can get, like, a provisional driving licence. I, I think somebody should take you through a training process of how to wee in a cup without pissing all the way up your arm. Because to my knowledge, and I've had two children, it's not fucking possible. And I remember my midwife saying to me really, really early on uh, when, when she came to do my booking appointment or something, she said, you know, you'll need to, need to bring a sample, bring it in a suitable container. And I sort of said, oh, what, what kind of thing would be suitable? And, and she just said very pithily, well, my advice based on the visit I did last week is don't put it in a Dolmio pasta jar that you haven't washed out properly, which is, which is good advice, right? You know, the, you don't know these things until, until you're told them. But I can remember one day running late for an appointment and shit I need to win a win a cup and I couldn't find the sample thing that I was using whatever it was it wasn't a dolmio pasta sauce jar and so I was running around the house looking for something and I eventually found a like you know a bubble like kids bubbles that come in those little plastic pots and stuff so I really really quickly we weed in the pot um obviously pissed right up my arm because it's impossible not to do that and then put the lid on and then ran through the um Run after the surgery, and then the midwife got there and she took took the wee out to like check it and stuff, and then pissed herself laughing. So of course, it's a fucking wand, isn't there, on the lid of the fucking bubble pot? So I'm just pissed. <laughs> what was I expecting her to to do? Blow pissy bubbles? I mean, I'm sure that's that's not in the in the job description. But then I also you get so you, you know you do get kind of so conditioned to this weeing in the pot, but but out of context, it still takes you by surprise. So I remember I had to go in in late pregnancy to go and I think have a scan or something. I had to go to the hospital. And I was in the the waiting room. It was quite a hot day, and I was sitting in the waiting room. And um, the the midwife or the assistant came came out of the room while we were waiting and and handed me a plastic cup. And I was like, oh, brilliant! Because obviously, important to stay hydrated when you're um, when you're when you're having a baby. And I, she sort of passed me, and, and I looked. I was expecting to see it was full of water, and it was empty. And I said, oh, brilliant! Thanks so much. Where where do I go and get it? And she looked at me like I was a moron, which, to be fair, I was in this scenario. And she looked at me and I looked at her and she looked at me and I looked at her and she raised her eyebrows and I said, the the water, you know, give me a cup, great, is there, is there a water machine? And she very, very nicely said, it's for your sample. So, I mean, it's good we clarified that because otherwise, yeah, I, I, there are so many ways, so many ways that, that that story, that story could have gone horribly, horribly wrong. I mean, children, children are really good for mortifying moments, aren't they? So I can, uh, you know, Jamie, Jamie at nursery, kids, kids come out with, with very honest truths at nursery and to people that you don't want them to tell them to but they also come up with fucking made up shit so I remember they they'd been talking about careers at at nursery like what do your mum and dad do and I came to pick 
Jamie up that that evening, and and his his key worker was killing herself laughing, and I said, "On oh, what's happened?" And she said, "Well, we we're talking to the children today about what the mum and dad did as, as jobs." I said, oh, "Okay, what, what did what, what did Jamie say?" And he said, "Well, he said your your husband's a train driver." I said, "To my knowledge, Mister, I don't need to stop talking. He's never driven a train." But good, excellent. Not sure where that one's come from. He said, "Oh yeah, no, no." Jamie says, "My my my daddy drives a train." Okay, cool, good. He doesn't, but why let facts get in in the way of a good story? And then she said, uh, I, and then she started laughing again, and I said, oh, "God, what, what did he say about me?" And I was thinking about the various components of my job that could be misinterpreted. And she said, "Oh no," she said. We, we said, "Jamie, what does your what does your mummy do?" And he said, "My my mummy, she drinks loads and loads and loads of wine, and she does it all the time." I was like, "Good, excellent, marvelous." Jeez, character assassination by by a small child. So. Yeah, yeah, the, the, the train-driving alcoholics, I think, is probably how we were referred to as, as, as a family from then on in. Like I said, there's, there's nothing like your kids to give you a good character assassination. Although, to be fair, maybe that was better than at the same nursery. They got the children to draw their family. And, you know, most of the most of the kids had done a, a reasonably good likeness, given their relative age of, of the family. And these were all on the, they were all up the, the side of the stairs on the wall. And then there was one child, and I remember taking a surreptitious photo of it, which made me laugh so much. And I teach us, I just don't know how you keep a straight face sometimes, because he'd drawn all five of his family members, and they all looked like massive, hairy penises, every single last one of them. And I was crying, laughing. It was, um, yeah, it was, a, it was a fantastic, fantastic moment. The trouble is sometimes mortifying moments creep up on you, because Jamie had obviously been in nursery since he was six months old. So when he went to school... I was kind of like a little bit blasé by this point. I was kind of a little bit like, oh yeah, no, it's fine. He's like, he's like in school. He's gonna, he's gonna, he's gonna breeze it. He's gonna, no problem. He's gonna go off with his mummy. No, no problem. And they say pride comes before a fall, and my God, pride came before a fall because I dropped him off at school on the first day. And obviously, you're like, you're getting to know other parents. You're sussing each other out. You're trying to work out if anybody's gonna drag you into joining the PTA even at this early stage because you know you you never know when it might be coming. And I was chatting away, and, and I knew a couple of them, and they were like to me, you know, they were like, "Oh, you seem very, you seem very calm." And I said, "Yeah, well, you know, I'm used to used to Sandy Jay." They said, "You, you know, you upset?" I said, "No, it's great. It's ready for him to start school. He's ready to start. I'm sure he'll go in with no problems at all." I said, "Because I'm a colossal dick, and I say things like this." And sure enough, I, you know, sort of the teacher came out, and I said, "Right, go on, then, Jamie. Off you go. Off to school. Have a good day." And and he turned around. He said, "Bye, bye, mummy. Gave me a kiss. Went straight in." I thought, "Look at me." I am acing parenting. I am smashing it right now. And about the moment that I had that thought as I was walking back out the school gates, there suddenly came this commotion from behind me and Jamie came herring out through the through the head teacher's leg. She kind of like tried to, to try to make this sort of drop tackle for him and missed him, screaming, Mommy, there's no window and all the other parents were like, What? What the fuck? No window? What? And of course I'd made a rookie error. I'd assumed that Jamie would be happy to go into school because Jamie had always been happy to go into nursery. But Jamie was always happy to go into nursery because when he was taken into nursery, there was a massive window out the front from which he could go to the window, watch me, wave me off, and all was well. Now, fucking windows were there on the side of the school. So, yeah, that plan backfired. So, yeah, they ended up having to wrestle him back into the classroom. There's no window! And all the other parents were really nice, but I'm sure probably they were thinking, yeah, yeah, she she probably counted her chickens a little bit too soon there. And, and I probably, I probably did. I probably did. We um, were checking about bra shopping this weekend. I, d- I don't know why. And my very long time blog readers will remember my original 108, I Love You All Lots, 
and this is definitely one for you because when when it, when Jamie was very little, we went we went bra shopping, and and people have said to me that why the hell did you take your kid ch- bra shopping? And I'm like, what else was I meant to do with him? Like put him in a box? He, you know, I was going shopping. He came with me, and so I kind of you know sort of explained the the rudiments of of what we did, and we kind of go around the around the shop and stuff, and found some some bras to try on, some black bras. This is relevant. And all of a sudden, coming out of the, the change rooms, Jamie just shot past me in, in a way that only toddlers can run with, with a bra on his head, because where else would you put it? Uh, with jazz hands, legs kicking, singing, I got the big black nipples. Oh, I got the big black nipples, the big black nipples. And I wanted to hide in a hole. It was mortifying. And obviously, all the all the shop assistants were were alternatively either pissing themselves laughing or absolutely appalled. I was like, I'm so sorry. And he's like, I got the big black nipples. Anyway, I wrote about this story when I finished being mortified. I wrote about the story on the blog. And for some reason, and I don't understand the weird workings of how the internet really works, it ended up being on Google's front page of search results for big black nipples. You literally wrote in big black nipples and my blog would be on the top page. And before you're thinking, how the hell did you find that out? Like there's some background analytics you could do on Blogger, which would tell you the most popular search terms people use to find your blog. So I do think even now there are probably a load of really disappointed perverts out there looking for big black nipples that instead got the story of Jamie and the big black nipples. So yeah, that was a that was a that was a glorious glorious. That that, that one was compounded by the fact that then we we left the shop that day and I was like, thank fuck, we're out there. And then we got back to the car and we'd walked through a very busy town centre. And Jamie said, "Mummy, you've got something on your bottom." And I turned around and on my bottom was a big massive sticker that I assume one of the children had placed there, saying "Memory Foam." Oh. Oh, blessed. Hashtag blessed. That's what I felt right there, right then. Tampons also feature very largely in my mortifying, in my mortifying moments. There was the mechanic story. I might have told this one in here before. I can't remember. We had to go and pick the car up from the garage. Beth was very little. She was probably about two. And it's a local garage, family-run garage. I know the guys who who work there. I was going to say very well. I know them well enough to recognise them and be mortified this story, not not well enough to be able to laugh it off. So it was kind of like the perfect storm. And we're picking up the car and just chatting to the guys behind the desk. And Beth was rooting around in my handbag and I didn't really think anything of it at the time. And then the guy came in and said, right, it's all done. I've got the keys, you know, it's just outside the front. And Beth walked over to him and she was holding something in her, in her hand she, and she was kind of pointing at him and, you know, sort of saying, this is for you. She wanted him to take it. So, so you know, kind of indulging the, the cute two-year-old child. He's like, oh, you got something for me. What have you got? And he held out his hand and she dropped it into his hand and it was an unwrapped tampon and I wanted to die. And we all just stood there for like a hideous nanosecond before I grabbed it in my hand and literally I was like, oh, this is brilliant. Thanks very much. Okay, this is amazing. And then I hoped that maybe like I would, I don't know, never see that man again. I see him often. We never mention the day of the unwrapped tampon. But I know that he knows, I know that he knows, I know that he knows, and it is mortifying. Mortifying. And my other tampon story, which actually wouldn't need to be mortifying had I not made it mortifying, so I was dropping the kids off at school, and it was one of those mornings when I had just not dressed for the weather and I say that knowing that pretty much every day I just do not dress for the weather I have like no waterproof clothing for example I'm definitely not the kind of mum whose children's have 
wellies galoshes i don't even know what a galosh is but whatever a galosh is they sure as fuck do not have it and we parked up outside school and the heavens just it was absolutely teeming down it was that wet that rain was bouncing back up out of the puddles i mean it's absolutely fucking ridiculous and so i said to the kids right we're just gonna have to make a run for it there's there's nothing we can do and i think beth probably made some pithy comment about me turning the rain off um which obviously haha i laughed but she was deadly serious no i can't turn the rain off and so we ran in and beth was howling because i think she thought i was trying to do like force her to start swimming lessons against her will so i flung her at her teacher and then i ran around the other side of the school with jamie he was laughing his head off he thought it was great and i got back into the car and it's relevant on this particular morning i had to go straight from the school to my office to conduct a very important meeting and I got into the car I was absolutely drenched and I looked in the rearview mirror now I wear a lot of makeup and I wear specifically a lot of black eyeliner and I can only describe myself I can't even describe what I looked like I looked like absolute fucking wreck because all of my very black eyeliner had just cascaded down the sides of my face I mean I would have been more dry if I'd gone for a bath, that's how wet I was. Now again, properly prepared parents would have had a little packet of tissues for this moment. Really organised ones might even have had some wipes, makeup remover. I had fuck all. I did not have time to get home before I needed to get into the office for my very important meeting. So I was about to despair and go, okay, I'm just going to have to go in and style it out when I suddenly realised I had a solution. And so it was that I sat outside my children's school and unwrapped two tampons, took them out of their paper wrapping and out of their applicator, and used unused tampons to wipe the eyeliner from my face, which I can't decide. It's either absolute fucking genius, or it's more messed up than I can even start to start to articulate. And to be honest, that wouldn't have been that mortifying, because nobody saw me doing it, until, because I literally have no filter whatsoever, I got to my work and announced to everybody what I'd done and they all killed themselves laughing and my boss still likes to remind me about this, this moment now and yeah, it's, it's gone down slightly in the, in the annals of history. I was the, the woman who sat outside her children's school and used unwrapped tampons to wipe eyeliner from her face. Yay me! Hashtag life goals. That's, that's it. Just living that. And obviously, you know, breastfeeding, anybody who's, who's ever breastfed a child, you have multiple mortifying occurrences. But but my favourite at the time was, I think it was Beth, because I think, like, first child, you have to sit, well, I had to sit in, like, a very particular position, very awkwardly, to try and breastfeed, it's very difficult. Second child, I could have, like, I was going to say I could have done backflips while breastfeeding. I Breastfeeding or otherwise, I could never do a backflip, but you're far more casual about it with, with second child. So I was just, like, wandering around the house, I had, like, Beth breastfeeding, and I was like, cracking away and stuff blah 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 and then the doorbell went and it was the post lady lovely post lady at the time you probably know where this story is going so I opened the door and she'd you know kind of see me when I was pregnant she said oh it's the baby and I was like yeah it's the baby we had the baby and everything so chatting away and then Beth kind of like you know she wanted to say hi to Beth and everything we had a long conversation and then I shut the door and realized I'd stopped breastfeeding Beth quite some time ago and I just had a long conversation on my front doorstep on a very busy main road with my tit hanging out yeah, so mortifying moments. I, I have lived them. And, and do you know what? Those aren't even my most mortifying moments. But I, when I was kind of putting together material for today's, for today's podcast, I did kind of think, you know, how, how mortifying, how mortifying do I want to go? And I have concluded that, yeah, there's, there's some things that, that, that even, uh, I need to be several, several glasses of wine down and I might think about sharing them. But, you know, I don't want to put everybody off their, off their Sunday dinner. So we'll, we'll keep those for another day. But yeah, your, your stories really made me laugh in what was a bit of a shitty week. So I was very, very, very grateful for them. And, um, 
yeah, living the dream, living the dream. Honestly, I just think I, I look at all these people out there who look so suave and have their life so pulled together, and I think that's so not me, so not me. But 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 maybe it's none of us, right? Maybe we're all just trying to style it out, and secretly we're all sitting outside our kids' school wiping eyeliner from our faces with an unwrapped tampon. Actually, no, that probably is just me, isn't it? Just me. Good times, good times. I hope you all have really lovely weeks this week. I am off to, well, I might try and relive my last night at the proms experience again with the children. I'm sure they'll be really grateful for that by making them all sing Jerusalem. And then I'm certain it's, you know, Sunday evening. I'm pretty certain that, give it 30 minutes, somebody's going to come and announce to me that they've got some massive fuck-off piece of homework that they've completely forgotten to tell me about that will almost certainly require several organic vegetables a creation from the the recycling bin and a form that should have been sent back to school about about three weeks ago so so yay yay for sunday evenings but i hope you're all well i hope you've had good weeks i hope they haven't been as mortifying as as some of those examples were look after yourselves my loves take care i'll see you next week lots of love bye bye